I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspective. Hello, Miss Keegan. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Oh, you know, you already know. Every, all the listeners know we have our chats beforehand. But I'm That's actually, right. <laughs> I'm doing pretty well today. My neck still really hurts um, and my back, but it's much better. I've got some more mobility today. I'm kind of just trying to sit up straight. It's not really working very well. Well, but- it's hard when you're recording too. Like it's really hard to, unless you're in a chair that... Kind well, of I'm sitting. That. I'm sitting backwards on my bed right now, so I'm like facing my window and my wall, and right. so I can't lean back on anything, which is kind of forcing me to keep my shoulders back a little bit, which is helping. But as the time goes on, like I'm, I feel like I'm going to be like Rose in Titanic after a while, where I'm like laying on my side recording with my microphone. <laughs> Listen, you got to do what you got to do. You Sometimes do. that's how it is. But at least it's not like blazing hot, but (laughs) it's blazing everywhere else. It still looks like the apocalypse. I miss the sun. That's one thing for me that I'm just like, I need some vitamin D from the sun. Yeah, it's it's felt like dusk all the time lately. For like four days. days. Yeah, for the last few days. It's wild, man. And I know like we have a tendency to be like 2020, am I right? When in reality, like this would happen every year. It's just that. It's been happening every year too. But like with everything else going on, it's just, it feels like another another shit pile on top of all the other shit piles we've been dealing with like it's nothing it's nothing new I think that the the thing is that it's just like of course it would be this bad of course it's gonna you know 
yeah. still happen. Of course, you know. Of course, it's the worst fire season in California history. Of course, we hit record highs this year. You know, yeah. like it was 121 degrees in Woodland Hills last weekend, and that's a record high for Los Angeles County. Yeah, so it's just. It, you know, it's just one of those things where we're like, oh, oh, all right, all right. It is absolutely <laughs> wild. So let's get into the episode. And there's two things that I want to address before getting into the episode. The first thing is that we are going to remind you at the top that we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That is the way that you can support this podcast the most. It gets the word out there the most to different people to listen to our podcast. We really appreciate it so much when you do it. And we we want to be featuring more people on Reviews Day Tuesday on Instagram. Um, so also, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and we post it and we can't tag you in it, uh, direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can also follow us there. That's kind of where like everything happens. Uh, we check that the most frequently. You can let us know that that was your review. We'll tag you in it. All that jazz. Yeah, and I also wanted to say, because I feel like we haven't said this in a while on this show, uh, and so I want to remind people, or if there are any new listeners, Madigan and I are not experts in anything that we discuss. We pick subjects that are interesting to us, that we want to learn more about oftentimes, and so we are learning as as you are learning, hopefully. Right. And if at any time we get anything wrong, do feel free to call us in on it because just know that our intent is never malicious ever. Uh, but we will get things wrong. We're not experts. Right. And and we're also, you know, human beings with senses of humor where, you know, we never mean to offend anybody when we say things. It's never our intention. And I really want to drive that home. But I also want to give a big thanks to our listeners that do write into us and call us in on things because you are all so kind when you let us Absolutely. know that we got something yeah. wrong. Like it's it still makes me feel horrible because I'm such a sensitive person that never wants to offend anyone or hurt anyone's feelings. But the way that you all communicate with us is just so kind. So I really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, totally. I've never gotten a message. I'm the same way where I'm just like, ouch. I'm just so sensitive. But yeah. I... We, I got, we got a message that one time from someone that got super pissed at us because we oh, didn't right. post something on Instagram and then was like, you lost a listener. Right. We One time. But, <laughs> one time. But, you know, 99% of the time, people are so kind. They're just like, oh, hey, you know what? I have a little bit more knowledge on this topic. Um, so here's a little bit more knowledge. That's it. Yeah. You know? Yep, so exactly. I and that's it. the whole and that's the whole point of this podcast. Again, we haven't said this in a while, but Keegan and I started this because because we don't have all of the information, but it's a topic feminism is a topic that's always been interesting to us. So we want to learn more about it as well, just like you guys. So this totally. is really just a community for us to discuss things together. That's why I would really love to get more action in the Facebook group. I think that would be great if more people could be talking in there about things that are going on and um yeah, yeah, I just I love the community that we've started. I would love for it to continue to grow. And yeah, we're all just doing our best and learning along the way. Totally. And then all okay, right. so before we get into this episode, though, I also wanted to give a trigger warning. I don't really know what topics we're going to go into the most with this episode, but just kind of a general trigger warning that this episode we're going to be talking about females who commit acts of violence. Uh, which may be triggering or uncomfortable for certain people. So if that 
if that is you. <laughs> yeah, right off the top, I mean, we are going to be talking about, of course, violent crimes. And then in addition to that, I know that a lot of my notes also center around child abuse. Yeah, sexual assault. So those topics will be brought up if you are ultra, ultra sensitive to those topics. This might be one that you want to skip altogether. Right. Or just be aware that if we hit upon a topic that... um is really hard for you to listen to, go ahead and turn it off. No hard feelings. Listen with some discretion, that's all. But you all know that Keegan and I enjoy true crime. Uh, Many podcast listeners do. I feel like most people that I talk to about podcasts that they listen to, they listen to true crime podcasts as well. At least one, you know? Right. Um, I mean, most women do. We had a whole episode on it, you know? Yeah, Um, exactly. Even women who don't like things like horror <laughs> or yeah. other topics like that still enjoy true crime. It's a it's a strange phenomenon. It to be really honest. is this crazy female phenomenon in a way. But what's funny is that most of the topics of conversation are men. Most of the serial killers we discuss are men. Most of the pedophiles uh, are men. You know, so there's really this whole other world of female killers and women who commit different acts of violence. And to me, the most fascinating thing doing research this week was seeing just how societal norms influence the different ways that we express violence. Yeah, I mean, it it was an interesting thing doing research for this episode. So firstly, most of the articles that you are going to find if you were to Google, you know, violent women or something like that are going to be studies that were conducted looking at domestic violence and women who perpetuate domestic violence, which is a subject that I think could deserve its own episode. Well, we, um, yeah, I mean, we have done a domestic violence episode a while. It's we been did, a while. <laughs> but that um, one was mostly because typically domestic violence is focused on um, kind of battered women. So right. oftentimes it's men being the um, perpetu- men who are perpetuating this like cycle of domestic violence in the home. But there is actually a lot of data that says that women are just as likely to they, be domestic abusers. Yeah, and- women are just as likely to instigate violence as men, while sometimes women exhibit violence differently than men do, which is something that I found interesting, uh, the trends. Um, There is something like, you know, I think of especially like in popular culture, people like Emma Roberts and Amber Heard, who both Mm -hmm. were mutually, you know, abusive with their partners. Right. Um, Yet, you know, how we view their violence is very, very different than how you view a man's violence. Yeah, totally. And so, you know, as a rule of thumb, in general, you know, in most of the articles that I read, Men are responsible for over 90% of serious violent crimes, such as assaults, homicides, violent robberies. Um, Women are less likely in general to commit crimes than men are. But rates of female violence reported um, in a study in the UK from an article that Madigan actually sent me... um, there, the rates of female violence have steadily increased throughout the years. And I'm not sure if that is just, there's some kind of debate as to whether or not it's actually increasing or if our awareness of these crimes are increasing. That's and a really that is good why point. Female incarceration is 
on the rise because it is both in the U.S. and in the U.K. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I mean, for me, I feel like in general, we would probably see a trend in crime during times of like financial crisis. So I feel like just in general, you would see a lot of like white collar crime. But I wonder if murder would be as high in that as well. Uh, Really quick, I wanted to give my sources at the top as well. I actually found a lot of really great Psychology Today articles. Uh, I love psychologytoday.com so much. Of course, some Wikipedia, some Murderpedia, some knowledge from books I've read. And I have been listening to a podcast called Female Criminals, which is a podcast podcast. And it's all about female criminals. And it's really great because there's even like little mini episodes where they talked about like the psychology like the specific psychology of like multiple different killers they've talked about throughout different podcast shows to talk about like one psychological thing you know that ties them together yeah so I listened to a bunch of those individual episodes to kind of like learn about different types of women you know who commit crimes they do a great job of getting into the psychology of in all those episodes and also listening to you know more specific things like elderly women committing crimes and committing murder which is a very fascinating uh phenomenon because typically if you are to commit crimes both male or female your like prime time is like your 20s and 30s and then typically it's like you get a family so things kind of like die down or like you know maybe you get a better job or you're just getting older and you just can't right. do yeah. it anymore. I mean there is also a correlation between um your testosterone levels and like other stress hormones that can cause you to be more violent, right? So as you get older, both in men and women, those kind of like hormonal levels will change. So you might be at your peak with testosterone and stress hormones in your 20s and 30s, which might be part of that. So there have been theories that men have been socialized to be more physically aggressive, which is true. I mean, we have sent men to war for generation after generation. Um, We have encouraged, and you know, our toxic masculinity episode talked a lot about the way that we encourage men to be this kind of like hyper physically um, aggressive. And then there's also that male-male competition, especially when it comes to sexual partners. And there has been a, a correlation between men who commit violent crimes um, in situations like that due to an increase in testosterone and a release of stress hormones. So there is also this theory that modern women are behaving more like we would traditionally have thought of men in those kind of gender roles. And that is true when it comes to risk taking and aggression. So one sign of this phenomenon is greater participation in contact sports and dangerous competitions. This, this website says like horse racing or car racing. Oh my gosh. According to anthropologist Elizabeth Cashton um, in societies where women compete in a more aggressive way amongst each other or in occupations or over spouses, when we have these levels of competition, um, those same stress hormones and testosterone levels that we see in aggression in men um, are becoming more prevalent in women. So yeah, there is a theory that that could be part of why there's an increase. Right. Well, and what that made me think of, too, is that like society is changing. You know, as time goes on, women have been more 
more and more encouraged to express their masculinity. So I wonder if there's something like, you know, historically women tend to internalize, or I shouldn't say women, young girls when they're abused because a large majority of serial killers and female ser- serial killers were abused in their childhoods mm-hmm. in some way. Mm-hmm girls tend to internalize that and kind of keep it inside and then it'll first kind of like exhibit itself with like petty theft you know some you know stealing money from purses a little bit of manipulation things like that they tend to do it a bit more quietly and then right. you know commit you know bigger crimes as they're older but i'm wondering if because our societal norms specifically for women and their masculinity is changing i wonder if that is giving women the freedom to be more physically violent openly violent you know i think of eileen wernos as being like the anti-textbook female serial killer because they say you know on many different you know sources that i read called her or said that she killed like a man you know yeah, which is a strange thing for me. So I'm going to make one quick point and then jump back to to, to talk Do it, about that a little bit. Because I said a, a lot of shit. Okay. No, no, no. You're good. I just, um, I also wanted to point out, you know, it, with you kind of saying that like we are changing our gender roles or kind of like changing in society. There is also another theory, and I also just want to give a blanket statement that I'm not sure how much I subscribe to any of these theories, right? Uh, because everyone seems to have a different one and they do seem very rooted in gender roles. However, a lot of evolutionary psychologists predict that even amongst restricted population of violent criminals, females are less likely to be less extremely violent. And these evolutionary psychologists believe that it could be because women are less risk or are more risk averse than men are um, because risk aversion is tied to an evolutionary past in which women did most of the child care. And so they avoided violent situations as a way to stay alive to protect their children. Right. So that is one theory that people have. And with society changing, where more women are having less children, um, that that is not as much of a factor a- anymore. Right. Well, and then, and then that brings up an, another interesting tidbit because there are so many th- female killers who kill their children for a multitude of different right. motives and, and, and reasons. actually the numbers of like women who abuse children is quite high like Very when compared high, to, yeah. to men and so then it kind of brings me to them kind of saying that Eileen Warnos killed like a man and that made me think of this biological essentialism argument and that argument is that women by nature are hardwired to care and nurture right. rather than to kill um, but this idea that there is a typical male brain and female brain that we have believed for years I know I was brought up with with that mentality, it's not actually backed up by any real research. So it's to say total that, like, bullshit. yeah, can it, I, we are socialized in a certain way, but that doesn't mean our brains are hardwired. Can yeah. I interject really quick that whenever I fuck anything up in the house, I go, oh, my stupid girl brain. And then Max <sighs> like ties into it. And he's like, I know, honey, let me show you. Let me teach you. Let me. It's like a bit we have going where I'm like, I don't understand. My girl brain doesn't get it. Anthony does the same kind of thing. That's and so every funny. time I'm like, I will rip your face off. It's, I know you're kidding, but. <laughs> oh, it's so funny because I totally play into it. And then as soon as it's over, he's always like, 
oh my God, if your listeners knew what I just said to you, they would think I'm a horrible person. And I'm like, you're joking with me. You're not like actually like thinking- break up with him immediately. I know, right? Oh my God. But yeah, I mean, so it, it does make it interesting that we say things, we expect women to kill in a certain way, right? We expect women to poison, like that's always, we always hear that that is like a, a you know, women's way to kill. Yes. Um, but to look at it that way and say like Eileen Warnos killed like a man or whatever is to ignore that the reason we feel like poisoning or smothering or these kind of like less violent deaths um, are women's weapons or women's ways to kill. It totally ignores the um, socialization that has led us to, that may have led women to that. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, there's reasons. And that was, again, at the very top, That's that was the reason that this was the most fascinating to me was because, you know, I didn't think of, you know, murder as being a feminist topic or anything like that. But as I read that first article that I had sent to you and started listening to this female criminals podcast, I started realizing just the vast differences of not only how we treat female, you know, criminals, I was want to call them villains, like that word keeps wanting to come out of my mouth, how we <laughs> treat female criminals versus how we treat male criminals, and also how they uh, have expressed their violence kind of throughout time and how that's changed. And I definitely and how they're think treated like, in society. I feel oh, like yeah. women are either treated like what they've done is more egregious because they're women or they're treated as though they deserve more sympathy. It's like one or the other. There is this kind of like Madonna whore, even with women criminals like it's it's a strange thing it's exactly. a weird phenomenon i mean that we as a society just we cannot compute and we don't know how to deal well because i read something interesting that as far as like women go they hear these stories when they hear of women killers specifically women that kill their children uh there's also this thing that where we don't want to identify with them so right. we vilify them even more um but then there's the other side of the coin where women are known to get away with a lot of stuff. Like the most prolific serial killer of all time may have been female. Her name was, or she was this Hungarian countess, Elizabeth de Exed. No, Elizabeth de Exed, who apparently, hmm. I had never heard of this woman and I didn't go into a deep dive because I had so much other shit, but apparently this woman, after her husband died, she and her collaborators allegedly tortured, sexually assaulted, and killed hundreds of girls and young women. And she was never brought to trial. She got away with it. They kind of like well, put her on yeah. house, they put her on house arrest and that was that about sounds it. very, very similar to Elizabeth Bathory. It sounds it, like almost the exact same. Exactly. And then there was also like Dorothea Puente, who was kind of this like granny old woman, old yeah. woman who even played it up like she if you look at photos of her from when she was like running the boarding house and even her mugshot and then you look at photos of her from court. Uh, she really, really played up that granny image in order to uh, get sympathy from the jury and from the media. Well, that makes sense because violent women, the way that they're portrayed in the media is we're always looking for something, right? We're, We're looking for something to justify it. I feel like that's true crime in general. We are always, that's why we're so fascinated. That's why we watch these things because we want to try and find the reason, the cause, the thing that made them this way. But with women, especially... A woman who is violent, she has her sexuality portrayed 
as deviant or we're looking for things in her sexual past in a way that we don't do with men. And then her sexual attractiveness is examined in a way that very often for men, it's it's not the same kind of subject. Um, so her, her role as a woman is constantly being scrutinized in a way, again, that I feel like we don't do with men. Is she a bad wife? Is she a bad mother? We keep this essence of womanhood like we need it to make sense as, within a, our- as a way to vilify her right and yeah, yeah ex- exactly like uh, well she's she's too sexually aggressive yeah or, that's you the, know. well that's the reason it would never be me or it would never be that because she was so promiscuous or she was so you know this or that or she doesn't look like you know the the type of person that we feel like you know, she should look like, I don't know. There's so many, there's so many interesting, you know, stories that I listened to this week. And one of the things that I noticed was that a lot of these murders were, uh, were done for the motive of like professional or personal gain and like social status. So one story that I find really fascinating is the Lululemon murders. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Brittany Norwood was the perpetrator she was like this soccer star in high school. Her family was super well off. Uh, she was a black woman. So she did have this like uh, kind of want to always kind of fit into her very white neighborhoods. So the fact that in schools and you know, she went to public schools, so they had a lot of money and that was very important to her. And then during the recession, they were like basically poverty stricken. And so she started stealing. Uh, She was the soccer star. She got kicked out of uh, soccer in college where she was doing really well because they caught her for stealing. Uh, Her dream was to open her own gym. She really wanted to, you know, make something out of her life. And that was the thing that she thought was going to do it. And she's like, so I'm going to start working at Lululemon. That's a really good, like, first step for me. And we could go on and on about why Lululemon is problematic because... Uh, they are, and it is a bummer because they have great leggings, but I will never buy them they're because... They're so expensive, and they're first a of fucking all, cult. They're a cult. They're expensive, and that place is a mess. So I will never buy Lululemon leggings, but, man, they are they are nice. I would, like, <laughs> I would buy someone else's Lululemon leggings from, like, Poshmark. Poshmark, yeah, you know? for sure. Like, like, secondhand, yeah. By the way, I have a closet on Poshmark if anybody wants to buy any of my shit. Hey. Trying to get all my stuff out of my closet. Um, but, yeah, so she was very, like, aspirational, and she wanted all of these things, but, you know, her soccer career didn't work out as she wanted it to. So now she's like, I'm going to work toward getting this gym. She got this job at Lululemon. And then she works there for a while, and then she's like, I want to get this job at Equinox. Her friend is going to kind of, like, let her in, which is another cult. And um, Ugh, Equinox is so stupid. I'm sorry. I know, sorry. it like, is. But, like, her friend, I guess, is, like, an owner or a manager there, so was going to, like, kind of take her under her wing and teach her how to, like, run a gym. So she kind of finally felt like her life was starting to go back on track, and... In the meantime, she's still, like, constantly stealing. Like, she's just this crazy kleptomaniac. She doesn't have a lot of money, but yet she wears really expensive things. Well, kleptomania is an interesting, would be an interesting one for us to cover because oh, yeah. it is largely women-centered. Oh, like, yeah. that is one one kind of, like, disorder that is very much female-dominated. It's really interesting. I feel like I've had the kleptomania conversation with a lot of my girlfriends and I feel like almost every girl I've met has gone through some Mm -hmm. sort of phase of Mm -hmm. some level of like stealing. 
in their life. Yeah, and stealing in a way that doesn't even make sense. Like, yeah. I'm definitely, like, anyway, I don't want to get into that. I know, but. I'm like, I'm not going to say what I've done. I'm not going to, like, implicate myself right now. But, um, yeah, so she she was finally feeling like she was getting somewhere in her life after things were kind of falling apart. And so one night, she's closing the store with this girl, Jaina, and I guess Lulu, I can't say Lululemon without sounding like I'm slurring my words. Lululemon, Lululemon. has a policy where if you're closing with just one other person, you like check each other's bags to keep each other accountable. A, a lot of a lot of places do that. Yeah, like a lot of retail stores. Yeah. Right. Which is, I think is a really good policy. So Jaina was checking Brittany's bag and she noticed that there were like some leggings, like some workout leggings in there that had a tag on them and Brittany was like oh no 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 I paid for those but the computer was already shut off so they couldn't confirm or deny that so Jaina was like we'll just deal with it tomorrow well then Brittany calls her later on that night saying that her wallet was left at the store and Brittany offers to take her because she left her laptop there and then Brittany murders her stages it to look like they've both been raped and assaulted and that Jaina was just killed of course she gets caught she goes to jail she has a life sentence so the reason that that story is fascinating to me is because this girl had this idea of this perfect life and she was so obsessed with this status symbol and becoming something that she was willing to do anything to keep it that way like even killing somebody in such a, in right. like, in such mean, a horrible manner, like and also in the staging was horrible, girl. You were going to get caught. I think it's <laughs> interesting, though, you know, because men do that as well. Like that is a huge trait of like family annihilators, where it's just like I I cannot let all of this crumble. Yeah, right. And it doesn't make sense. Like logically, you're like this doesn't make sense. <laughs> exactly. Um, you could just own up to what you've done and then but the consequences would be, would be like, far less than you going to jail for the rest of your right? life. But I think for some people, the embarrassment and humiliation of like if you've worked your whole life to uphold this idea that you were you know, an upstanding member of society. Like everybody had great things to say about her except for her stealing, you know, like she had this like persona and this need to be, to be somebody, to be a status symbol. And she, I think to her, the humiliation of admitting that she was a th- like a thief, you right. know, no, was I get worse, it. It's, you know? but it's just so strange to me. Yeah. Family oh, annihilators no are, the, are the same way. It doesn't make any sense because it's just like you have to think more than three steps ahead and know that like this isn't what's your end game because it's not going to end well <laughs> for you. Like it's not going to end well. So but it is kind of interesting to to look at it that way that there when you look at female, you know, perpetuators of violence i don't know why i can't say that in i keep a more wanting clean to say way. i keep wanting to say villains i don't know why i keep wanting yeah, to say female, female villains violent criminals i guess yeah. is, is what it is when you yeah when you look at it it is kind of like interesting the different motivations i would be interested and i did not see on one of the articles that i read i did not see one chart that gave me like a very clear look at yes you're raising your hand i have a list of motives do you want some list of motives yes does it give percentages uh, no, of any kind no like what the real... likelihood that women are to um you know be violent because of this motive okay not specific like stats as far as like likelihood but just i have the things that like are the most likely reasons 
the most okay. likely motives. Um, so I'm going to try to do this in a way that isn't too all over the place because when we're talking about motives, they're usually very different crimes that are committed with these motives. So I also listened to an episode on Mary Kay Letourneau yesterday on mm. female criminals, Ugh, who gross. I know a lot about already, but I learned even more about her yesterday. And it was so fascinating. If you are interested in that, you know, horrible story, definitely listen to their two-parter. It's so good. Okay, so she is what's known as a heterosexual nurturer. Um, and that is a category of female sex offender that involves women in a caretaking role or position of authority who sexually abuse a young male, typically a teenager, under the guise of a typical romantic relationship. They are also least the least likely group to be arrested for their assault and are likely to be white women around the age of 32, which is Mary Kay Letourneau. So for those right. of you that don't know the story, she was a 34-year-old teacher who raped her 12-year-old student, uh, went to prison for seven years for it married him had two kids when they got out were in the process of separating when had she had one kid while she was still in jail she had both her kids well yeah no I think she had both her kids while she was in jail because she yeah. she got pregnant while she was let out and then yeah. she was caught with him but she wasn't supposed to see him so then she and went back you to see- prison that's another one. Again, there is this weird Madonna whore complex that we have, even yes. in relation to female criminals, where even though Mary Kay, what Mary Kay Letourneau did is she groomed, disgusting. She groomed like, him. Like I, she got the, and I watched a documentary that was done like as they were separating. So they kind of talked through the whole story and then saw them. And she still has the the um, victim's mom on her side. Uh, she has so many people on her side. She still believes she did nothing wrong. Um, in the documentary, though, you start to see Villy realizing, like, what have if I you, done? I've watched several documentaries as well because this is a story that I was going to do for my worst date that I just can't work up the, like... It grosses me out so much that I'm having a hard time working up the gumption to actually do it. But So I've watched documentaries as well, and, like, what she did is horrifying like it's truly horrifying the way she groomed him uh and the way that she talks about it is disgusting yeah but I remember when this happened I mean I was just a a child but like I do remember when this happened and I remember people talking about her yeah and the way that they talked about her because of the way she looked right that was like she was and she was pretty blonde, unassuming housewife who would show up to court in cardigans with her hair done well, and her makeup done. And, and she, her father was a former presidential candidate. Like she came from a very like conservative, upper class, high society family. So she had the money. Like she had the money in her history. So this woman was kind of already known in a way by society as well. So she had this kind of reputation of just being this sweet, well off school teacher. Right. And the way that she was depicted, I, I, I do. I feel like it's either one or the other, right? Because she looked so sweet and innocent, even though she did this absolutely heinous terrible terrifying thing um we looked at her we still couldn't separate her as a criminal from the way she like looked and presented herself and i feel like that's a big issue with female criminals whereas you look at someone like eileen warnos right it's so much easier for us to look at someone like eileen warnos and be like yeah lock her up and throw away the key right and i understand like this we're talking about a serial killer versus a child predator right 
but still like yeah. <laughs> she she was treated very differently and her first day in prison too that's what I'm saying listen to these episodes because it's so fascinating like her first day in prison where she only had to go for like a few months she was able to like see people and she would like sneak photos of like her baby and Billy into the prison and like send letters and she just was so obsessed with her victim for so long up until the day she died which was July of 2020. Well, and if you really look at it, Mary Kay Letourneau died? Yeah, she died of like uh, colon cancer, I think, just a couple months ago. Wow, I had no idea. 2020 has been. been? Well, 2020, man, I don't have any more space for any more (laughs) shit. Like, I. Computer storage is full in your brain. Everything is getting lost in the news cycle. I had no clue she died. But, um, yeah, I mean, and it, it. it's interesting, and I feel like this is a good place to kind of talk about characteristics of women who use violence. So I um, read an academic, I read a couple of pretty dry academic articles. I'm Did not you? going to lie. Um, well, thank you for they, doing that. You're welcome. They weren't fun reads, no. but they were informative. So this section of this academic article examines risk factors and mental health, substance abuse-related problems, um, and things that are common for women who go on to use violence. So the biggest one, and the one that is going to appear across multiple articles if you're doing research on this, is childhood trauma. Yes. Evidence, and including Mary Kay Letourneau had some childhood trauma. So evidence from several studies indicates that rates of childhood trauma and abuse are very high among women who use violence. Um, Among Swan's article, well, this academic article. Got it. (laughs) Among their sample of women who use intimate partner violence, 60% experienced emotional abuse and neglect, 58% were sexually abused, 52% were physically abused, and 41% were physically neglected. Experience of childhood abuse have been found in several studies to be a risk factor for women's violent and abusive behavior towards others. So, I mean, this goes say really quick that of course we know that people who are neglected and abused in their childhoods are not obviously like automatically going to be murderers but the biggest thing that I noticed during this is the lack of mental health support for a lot of these kids that you know dealt with some really traumatic things but there are so many resources that even existed at the time where if they had gotten help lives could have been saved you know what I mean right you know What I found to be interesting, you touched on it earlier, is that in large part, there was a longitudinal study that was done and it revealed that as children, female offenders internalized their pain. They weren't angry or rebellious. They were depressed and anxious. And it kind of was interesting to me because it is the opposite of what we talked about in our toxic masculinity episode, where we talked about boys who are depressed oftentimes do not get help for their depression because they externalize their depression. Right. They act out, they don't which seem leads depressed. them right, which they seem angry, which yeah. leads them to being um, expelled from school and things like that. Whereas women, very often young girls, it's the opposite they do appear depressed they you know very stereotypical way that we see depressed teenager teenage angst those kinds of like um, isolating behaviors and things like that and so while if they have kind of 
parents or adult authority figures who are paying attention, they might be able to say, okay, this this child is depressed. They don't necessarily see it as a precursor to violence the way that we would do with boys, right? So we don't, we just don't assess their yeah their trauma the same way well right and there's also such a belief you know throughout history there and also there's still such a stigma today with depression that you know you can just kind of get over it that it isn't a real problem and for somebody who is dealing with trauma a lot of times they're dealing with a lot of ptsd symptoms and those that's something that is so hard to do on your own like i know that they're you know, when I watch I Survived, there are some women that are like, I didn't go to therapy and I was fine. And I'm like, huh, how? You know, for most people, like if you've gone through something traumatic, no matter what it is and what level of trauma it is, like therapy in some way is beneficial and helpful. So if you're looking at this little girl who's depressed, you know, there is this idea of teenage angst or, you know, they'll get over it, they'll grow out of it. That probably makes it so that right. they don't get the help that they need. Right. I mean, and that is... Also, like, it's the same kind of thing. They go on to talk about, like, when they're young, it oftentimes is portrayed as depression. And as they get older, it's oftentimes portrayed as that kind of, like, mean mean girl. girl That was what I was going to say. Yeah, they turn turn into being kind of mean. And again, that's, like... You think they're going to grow out of it. Yeah, as a typical teen. Like, everybody, every girl goes through that phase. I strangely went through my teenage phase when I was, like... 11 and 12 because my friends I was were gonna older say, than me. <laughs> I, I think I was more of a mean girl in elementary school, which is kind of a weird thing. That's like, so I think funny. I, I think that that's when I went through my mean girl phase. And as I got older, I actually became like more compassionate. I um, was never cool enough to be mean to people. Uh, people were just mean to me and I was too sensitive and I just cried. So that was my childhood. Well... <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. I mean, I didn't see myself as a mean girl, but this is a shame receipt for me. Um, My worst date reference. But uh, yeah, so I, when I was in early high school, I found one of my good friends from elementary school and I thought things were okay with her because she was like my best friend in like first and second grade. And up through fifth grade, I was invited. She had a birthday party every, it was, they threw great parties. She had a birthday party every single year at an ice skating rink or not ice skating, a regular roller skating rink. And I was invited every year through elementary school. So I was like, yeah, we were soups chill. And she IM'd me on AIM, Instant Messenger. Hello. And she said, you know, throughout elementary school, in our later years in elementary school, you were really mean to me. And it was really hard for me. And I wrote her back and I was like, I had no idea but looking back, I'm like, you know what? I did I did get involved in that very clicky girl behavior, yeah. you know, and I probably wasn't and, as nice to her. Right. But there's something also about, you know, this mean girl clicky behavior where I feel like if you are a child where you've been neglected or abused and you're not shown any sort of love, you tend to be a person that will cling quite tightly to others that do show you that you're accepted or that you're loved in whatever way you believe that love is. So I think that's also kind of an interesting thing that I didn't necessarily read about, but there is something fascinating to me about like just kind of the teenage influence and like normal teenage behaviors with somebody who's been abused, who hasn't led a normal childhood. You know, the results of that are very different. 
Yeah, totally. And I, I feel like kind of like a cornerstone of abuse is a, a feeling of a loss of power, yeah. right? whether it's emotional abuse or physical abuse. So one thing that I did read about in this kind of mean girl phase that that a, a lot of girls go through and oftentimes is something that they will grow out of. Um, as they become as their brain develops and they become more like empathetic, compassionate human beings. But the difference is with a lot of these uh, in these studies with a lot of these women who would go on to commit violent crimes, their motivations for being a mean girl is different, right? Where it's it's more of it's revenge. seeking seeking that power, right? And being able that to was control. Another, yeah, that was another motive was revenge. You know, there is something where if you were young and had no control and were abused and all of your power was taken and once you're older and realize that now you can inflict pain or you can have some control in some way. Um, or you can get what you want you through get, intimidation. Exactly, or- yeah. And so revenge is a big one. Um, there's also like the killings out of love, you know, especially with, you know, mothers who kill their children. Um, Mothers who kill their children in general are really fascinating to me. I read a book called Small Sacrifices by Anne Rule, which was all about Diane Downs. And it is a super great book. So fascinating story. Uh, She murdered her. Well, she murdered one of her children and attempted to murder all three of them uh, because the man she was having an affair with didn't want kids. And that's not the only story like that. That was There was also that woman um, who drowned her children in the car and it was the same thing. It was the guy that she was dating was like, oh, sorry, I can't. I'm listening can't. to that podcast episode right now. That's, um, are you thinking of something Smith? Um, Susan? Susan Smith? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm listening yeah. to that yeah, episode And she blamed right it now. on on black guys. She was like, black men stole my children. And they were like, no. That's what Diane Downs did too. It's like a black man came up and like shot my kids and shot me and all this kind of stuff. And then there's Lacey Spears. I read another book about her and I can't remember what it was called, but she had this son. It wasn't Garrett. It was something. Oh, it was Garnet. Garnet? One of those two. But this little boy, she had um, Munchausen syndrome by proxy and just put this young boy through so much horrible stuff and she was poisoning him slowly with sodium and that is salt yeah yeah and Mm -hmm. that's eventually how he died and that was because of her munchausen by proxy you can look at mary joe trokey who murdered her three-month-old baby her husband and her dog because she suffered a psychotic episode brought on by postpartum depression and then right and there's a similar case where that that woman drowned all five of her children in the bathtub the because she one. was having postpartum psychosis yes and she yeah. believed that she was saving her children from satan so those are kind of some examples and the five motives that i saw that are most likely reasons for uh filicide are altruism which is a misguided belief that she is doing the child a favor, acute psychosis, a profound break in reality. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe they have an unwanted child. It could be an accident, which is usually a result of child abuse gone wrong or Munchausen by proxy or spousal revenge. Uh, This is more common with men, but when women sometimes view their children as sacrificial pawns in their relationship, they will retaliate against the father by using the children. So that those are the most likely filicide motives with women um that's something like i think the reason that i listen to a lot of stories like that is because it's particularly horrifying to me 
Um, being a very nurturing person who loves kids, it's very hard for me to hear those stories. But that's what fascinates me the most about it because of that belief of women being so nurturing and because I myself am so, you know, those stories right. are so right. Psych- fascinating on a psychological level, you know? Yeah, that leads us into talking about this belief that women are nurturing by nature right. and that's why they tend to be less violent because again as I said earlier there is actually no proof that from a like biological standpoint men's and women's brains are different they're not right actually different and the belief the the differences we see are are societal differences Well, right and I think that you know if we look at it the belief of the fact that you know we are the ones that create the babies and feed the babies that we are then supposed to be naturally Nurturing. Right. And there there are hormonal differences, yeah. right? Like the higher levels of estrogen, you know, those things will have an effect on the our behavior, on the way that we behave. But even in these articles, like even in these academic articles, it felt very much to me that we were doing the most to try and absolve women of responsibility really for for doing these things like even though most of the articles that I read focused on domestic violence those articles very often would say yes women are just as likely to instigate in a domestic violence situation um, but it's probably because she was abused in her past or it's likely because um, she's trying to defend herself like very often there were a lot of a lot of reasonings that I feel like we don't do the same thing right. with men. Like when men are violent, in, especially in domestic situations, look, I, I don't mean it to sound like they're not pieces of shit because they are, but we tend to go straight to these men are pieces of shit rather than giving them the same kind of like, well, maybe they were abused as a child. What does right. that have to do with anything? You know, like right. it's, it's kind of an interesting thing and it's almost... Uh, Although I I do have to say that because of the number of like podcasts, documentaries, books out there about male crime, I would kind of beg to differ on that. I feel like there's always been a fascination to why men kill, um, specifically when it comes to like really specific killers like if you look at Ted Bundy because he was really attractive and because he would get women to help him or if you look at yeah I don't think he's attractive but apparently a lot of people did um or if you look at someone like uh Ed Gein was he the no 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 I'm thinking of uh John Wayne Gacy the clown killer you know there's rare these I mean we always examine these people yeah yeah, for sure there's there's been a fascination with their you know past traumas like I know I used to listen to my favorite murder a lot and they would you know talk about toxic masculinity with that when they would go through trauma you know the toxic environments that they grew up in where I just right I feel like but it's feel at least like, more talked about because we know the stories more well it's more it's more talked about because it's more prevalent right, right? like so that those things they are discussed because they're prevalent but I feel like when women are violent specifically we're like whoa women aren't like this we have to get to the bottom of it yeah this is we so have to unusual. find out why right whereas like we don't always do the same kind of thing with men especially in domestic violence situations I feel like we very quickly jump to like and I'm guilty of this myself where like if like let's use Amber Heard and Johnny Depp as an example right, right. like 
I think we very quickly jump to, well, what did he do? Yeah, we did. <laughs> to warrant being um, her behavior, right? Like, what did he do to drive her to the edge, yeah. right? And as a woman who has been both of us as women who have been in, I think, pretty emotionally abusive relationships in the past, there is some there is some merit in saying, like, I was psychologically pushed to this. But we don't do that with men. Yeah, we don't do that with men. If a man hits a woman in the face, we don't say, well, why? You know, like, why did you? Yeah. Do yeah. Well, and I, I don't think know. Also I mean, maybe we do. Maybe I'm being. No, I think you're totally correct. But I also think that's because we expect men to behave that way. We expect men yeah. to, you know, hit their wives and be the killers of their wives. You know, and that was something that was very normalized throughout history was, you know, men abusing their wives and their partners. So I think that because we know so many of those stories, like it's just so well known that men are you know, most likely right. the abuser, that we just already have that idea, you know? Yeah, and women are more likely to be injured. That's part of it as well, right? Yeah. Where it's like the violence, the level of violence in a relationship specifically can be equal, but women are more likely to be physically injured because generally speaking, women are physically weaker. So right. even if the level of violence is the same, so I do think that that kind of like, it sways our perspective on it. But I was reading this um, academic article and it was kind of talking about, um, this is just an excerpt. So when professionals avoid examining female violence, they validate the traditional cultural perspective that violence by women is not serious. And thus it allows it to escalate. So if we say, you know, with the Amber Heards and the Emma Roberts, that the violence that they are enacting on their partners is not serious, and then we stand there like shocked Pikachu if that fucking violence escalates <laughs> and they end up doing something worse. You know what I mean? And we're like, where did this come from? And it's like, well, the signs were fucking right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I got my dog riled up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shocked Pikachu. But that's the truth. I mean, it's it's interesting that we do this. Like we see all these signs of female manipulation, female violence. Yes. No, and it then was when just it's too escalate. perfectly fitting the image. <laughs> oh, what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was just it was too perfect in my head as you said it. And so I probably sound like a crazy person to everybody else. But in my head, it was just gold, pure gold. Good. I'm glad that was, Thank the, you, that was the impression. <laughs> You're so welcome. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, what were you saying? No, oh, that we get like, so shocked. Like we 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 have more of a shock to women, right? So yeah. I want. I just want us to be. I, I'm not. This is not an in defense of men. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, argument. It's not that at all. It's just saying that, like, if we continue to treat female violence as though it is less serious we can't have both we can't act like female violence is less serious and then be super surprised that we have violent female offenders yeah right like it's like those things go hand in hand yes exactly and yeah i think it's just an interesting thing to uh, to be aware of as far as it goes with like dealing with 
children and their psychology and what their upbringings are. And also so much of this still ties back into, you know, the gender norms of things and Mm -hmm. the reasons. I mean, the other thing that I don't think we mentioned much in this episode is that typically women kill the people that they are both emotionally and physically closest to. Um, It's very unlikely for women to kill strangers, except for, you know, people like Eileen Wernos, who killed exclusively strangers. Um, And they typically also will enact their murder in a place that they're familiar with, such as like their workplace or their home. They don't typically do it outside or in a place where they're not familiar with. And right. It's unusual to hear. Uh, that's an interesting psychological perspective is like it's unusual to hear about a woman going on the prowl. Like even Eileen yeah. Warnos, I don't know that I would argue that she was like, on well, the she, prowl was a se- to murder. she was a sex worker. So she was kind of like to me, it was she was working and then she was killing. Right. It's a high risk. It, yeah. And it's a high risk lifestyle. Right. You know, so I you don't hear about like female BTKs, for example, well, who are on the prowl what's to do that. What's interesting is that, you know, we didn't even really talk about women who partner up. Uh, there are lots of women who partner with male criminals. And typically mm-hmm. in that oh, yes. situation, women are the ones that troll for victims because they are seen as Right, less but not on their own. Not on yes. their own, yes. Yeah. They're typically, you know, also, um, you know, Typically, either they have a similar past as their male partner, or mm-hmm. they are also victims and have been, you know, groomed and abused by their partners right. to get them to do yep. so. But there are um, a number of women that I've, you know, listened to their stories lately where they too just have this sadistic side to them. I was, oh, it was um, the Moore's murders, Myra Hindley. Right, Myra Hindley and Ian Brady. Yeah, like yeah. she really had this sadistic side to her. So finding Ian Brady really was kind of like a match made in heaven. And she would, you know, or pick hell. up boys, girls, whoever, you know. But she was uh, very much a part of it. I've heard of a couple other partners where the women were right. just the as Bernies, sexually gratified from it. Fred as and Rosemary West. Yeah. 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 They they are, but it is an interesting thing when I've looked at these in the past. Like I did the Bernies for my Amari Wish Day episode before. Um, and there is a lot of speculation even with Myra Henley and Ian Brady, like would these women have gone on to do these things without their partners? As far as Myra Henley goes, I don't know if she would have done ex- like exactly what he did. Um, but I do believe that there that she still would have continued her life of crime because she was somebody that from a very young age, it was kind of almost like a Bonnie and Clyde. Like, you know, Bonnie always kind of had that like side to her. And it sounds like Myra Henley really had that as well. And she had a really rough childhood and she was uh you know the love that she experienced from her father and her family was very similar to the love that she got from Ian Brady so that was very much the type of man that she was looking for so in that sense you know I know it's interesting it doesn't you know it's it's the chicken or the egg you know I think she still would have been a very violent criminal had she not met Ian Brady but if she hadn't met Ian Brady she would have probably met somebody else and they would have done something else because I think that was just who she was. She was just sadistic. And her her motive to me was very much that of revenge. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, it is a, it's a fast. I know we've kind of been all over the place on this episode and we're, we're coming up on an hour. Oh, but it um, it is an interesting thing to look at. And the conclusion that I kind of came to is that men and women are it's not as though 
women are less likely, even though statistically, yes, they are less likely to perpetuate these kind of like very violent crimes. Statistically, that is true. However, I don't think it is because women are by nature more kind, soft, nurturing people. I think it's just... It, it, and it's because we're not socialized to be to act out in aggression. Well, right. Like we're That's not the socialized thing is, like, that we way. We hide it better because we are taught to be, you know, kind, polite, complicit. You know, that's how we get by in life. And, you know, male criminals, it wouldn't be as bizarre for them to still have a very hard exterior in their day to day lives and kind of be known as being abusive or aggressive where for women I feel like because there is this idea something we hide right yeah we have to yeah it's shame in order for us to yes in order for us to like get by in the world like most of the time women have to kind of put on this facade of being like put together and everything like that where I mean of course there's women who are obviously aggressive but I feel like most of the time with these criminals they're women who disguise their inner turmoil so well and that's what makes them all the more vicious and terrifying Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we did it. That was that was a f- interesting. I was going to say that was a fun one, but that feels wrong. It feels wrong um, to say, it- but the thing that I liked, the thing that I like about these types of episodes where we can just kind of discuss things that we're interested in is that I barely look at my notes. Right. Yeah, I had a lot of other stuff here. I have more stats and things like that, right. but I'll send you, you know, um, my sources and we can put those in the show notes if people yeah. want to actually go read these dry academic articles because <laughs> there is actually there is actually a lot of very interesting useful information oh, in there you know kind of talking about the numbers right. if you want to like get down to like statistics and things like that it, it is interesting to me you know I love a good statistic I, we know uh, you do but <laughs> but I do kind of find it interesting to have these conversations as someone who grew up truly believing that men and women were just wired differently right um I like looking at that under a microscope and really being able to see that like is it that we're wired differently or is it that we're socialized differently? Exactly. And what are the effects of that on us as a culture? Yeah. Well, that's why you know? like psychology for me has always been so interesting. Like I wish I was smarter when it came to like math and science because I really wanted to be a child psychologist growing up. That was like a big thing for me when I was younger. So I wanted to be a criminal psychologist. So there you go. There you go. I love psychology today. It's like a frequent read for me. I love it so much. Um, but yeah, I would if these topics were of interest to you at all. I highly recommend listening to Female Criminals by the Parcast Network. It's so good. They go into like all of these different female criminals and their psychologies. I learned so much from them. Um, and yeah, if there's any stories, like I'm kind of fascinated now as to like what our listeners would find as like fascinating female criminals because we are a feminist podcast. We don't typically talk about these kinds of women on this show. Um, If there's any like true crime fans that we listen to, I would love for you all to send in who, what women kind of like fascinate you, what violent women fascinate you, why, you know, what in this episode kind of like piqued your interest. I think that it would be interesting to do, I can't remember her name, but we did talk about it earlier, the woman who drowned her five children because she was having Uh, postpartum psychosis. Because that... Yeah, Andrea Yates. Yeah, because that story is actually kind of heartbreaking and it does deal. I think it is a feminist story because it deals with a lot of she felt this 
very patriarchal pressure, even though she did not want to keep having children. Yes. She her was, husband was like, God wants us to keep having kids. So even though your psychologist is saying don't have kids, this could be a disaster for you. Um, you know, and then she was very, very vilified in the media yeah. because of because of the horrible thing yeah. that she did. Next so, week um, on Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah. So go ahead and email us. Our email is neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. We already told you in the beginning, but our Instagram is angry neighborhood feminist. You can also catch us on Twitter at Yamp Podcast. Y. A. N. F. Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can rate and review us on the business page and chat with the fellow listeners on the group page. Get into some conversation. It's a good time. Uh, we already mentioned it in the beginning, but if you need another reminder, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to us. It helps us the most, and it makes us the happiest. Uh, yes. <laughs> also, if you don't already, give Radio Public a try. I know it's not your typical podcast streaming service, but it really does help us out a little bit every time you listen. And that's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage, to rage on. on. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.